The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of Melanie Yelvington and Kimberly Taylor and are for entertainment purposes only. We mean no disrespect to the victims nor their families. And thank you for listening. And don't forget to hit that subscribe and follow button and like us. Veil of Humanity is a weekly podcast where we give you a look behind the human-like mask killers wear. So, let's dive on in. What is up, my crime-crazy people? Welcome to Veil of Humanity. We are your hosts, Melanie Yelvington. And Kimberly Taylor. And today, we are bringing you the case of Danny Rowling, a man who earned the nickname the Gainesville Ripper. So grab your favorite beverage and a pillow to scream into as we dive into the case which inspired the Scream movies. Before we start, just know we are a fan of the cursey words and they will be in this podcast. Yes, they will be. (laughs) Trigger warning, as you all know before we start, um, discussion of murder, stabbing, rape, and mental health always. Okay, Biss, are you ready? Oh, yeah. (laughs) First of all, I want to say happy October, my crime crazy people. Who's ready for fall? I am. Pumpkins and spooky. Today, we are discussing the real life scream killer, and I cannot wait for this. All right. So, Daniel Harold Rowling was born on May 26, 1954. He was given the nickname the Gainesville Ripper. He was an American serial killer who murdered five students in Gainesville, Florida over four days in August of 1990. Wow. He would later confess to raping several of his victims, committing a triple homicide in the home city of Shreveport, Louisiana, and attempting to murder his father in May of 1990. Holy crap. In total, he confessed to killing about eight people. He was sentenced to death for the five Gainesville murders in 1994. He was executed by lethal injection in 2006. Oh, darn. Another one. Gone. One less. That's what I say. One less. One less. Ugh. What are we going to do? Gross. So, Mr. Rowling was born in, in Shreveport, Louisiana. His father was a Shreveport police officer named James, who told Danny that he was an un that he was unwanted from birth. Ouch. That's a little messed up. That hurts. How do you tell your kids something like that? Wow. His father also abused and beat Danny and his mother, Claudia, um, and his brother Kevin for frivolous things, such as just breathing in a way that displeased him. So Oh my god. Beat the shit out oh. of you. Okay. That kind of thing. I or you. if you made a wrong noise breathing, I mean, he just went ape shit. Wow. That's, wow. So there was one incident where Danny's mother went to the hospital after claiming her husband tried to make her cut herself with a razor blade. She made repeated attempts to leave him, but always returned. Um, one example of the dad's sense of discipline Mm -hmm. he pinned danny to the ground and handcuffed him then the police had then had the police take his son away because he was embarrassed by him yeah Mm -hmm. 
Um, in another story, Danny had a dog that James beat the dog so often it died in Danny's arms. That's messed up. That's horrible. That is horrible. So, as a teenager, young adult, uh, Rowling was arrested several times for robberies in Georgia, and he was caught spying on a woman getting dressed. Mm -mm. As an adult, he had trouble trying to kind of be in society yeah. and figure out where he belonged and hold a steady job. At one point, he worked at a poncho in Bossier City. Oh, wow. Yeah. Been there before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So let's discuss these murders, the Gainesville murders. Mm. In August of 1990, Rowling murdered five students, one student from Santa Fe College and four from the University of Florida during a burglary and robbery spree in Gainesville, Florida. He mutilated his victims' bodies, decapitating one. He then posed them, sometimes using mirrors. Using mirrors? Yeah, kind of like where they set them up in front of a mirror so they can kind of like look at themselves, so to speak. Oh, if they were to see themselves in the mirror, they would see their reflection and what they look like. Yeah. Wow. A lot of them get a kick out of being able to walk into the room and just, you know, see the different what reflections. What did he honestly think these students were going to have to burglarize them and, and rob them? What? It sounds like he was just that desperate and needed something. So, in the early morning hours of Friday, August 24th, Rowling broke into the apartment shared by two university freshmen. Um, one was 18-year-old Sonia Larson and 17-year-old Christina Powell. He found Powell asleep on the downstairs couch, stood over her briefly, but didn't wake her up, choosing instead to go to the upstairs bedroom where Larson was also asleep. He then murdered Larson... First by taping her mouth shut to stifle her screams, and then stabbing her to death with a K-bar knife. Yeah. K-bar. K-bar. Whoa. He, she died trying to fend him off. So wow. she, she was in defense mode. I would imagine. That's a terrible way to go. That's awful. I can't imagine how long you'd have to fight. You know, I will never understand what goes through these people's minds at all. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what were you thinking to do this? Sometimes you have to wonder, like, was, is it like the mental, or was it drugs, or, you know, crime of passion? There's just so many, like, what things. But this guy. I, I honestly would like to know what makes you go, hmm, I think I'm going to kill somebody today. Yeah, I think I'm going to go in here and rob some students and... You know, just slash. I understand wow. premeditated because you sit and planned it for a while. But as far as something, you know, just spur the moment killing, I mean, why? Yeah. What What in your head makes you go, hmm, I think I'll do that? Well, I mean, if you don't care about animals, you know what they say. That's true. So Roland then went back downstairs to Powell where he taped up her mouth, bound her wrists together behind her back, and threatened her with a knife as he cut her clothes off. He then would rape her and force her face down onto the floor where he stabbed her five times in the back. He then took both bodies and posed them in sexually provocative positions. And, and he took a shower before he left because, you know, you can't be walking you the streets. You can't walk around all, all bloody and stuff. Oh, my gosh. Five times in the back. Five times in the back. 
All right, so a day later on Saturday, August 25th, Rowling broke into the apartment of 18-year-old chemistry honors student at a nearby Santa Fe college named Krista Hoyt. He pried open the sliding glass door with a screwdriver. He found that she was not home. She was out at the time. So he waited in her living room for her to come back. At 11 a.m., Hoyt entered her apartment, and he surprised her from behind and placed her into a chokehold. Yeah. Time to fight. Um, After she was subdued, he used duct tape to gag her mouth, bind her wrists together behind her back. Oh, boy. Led her into the bedroom where he cut the clothes from her body and raped her. As in the power murder, he forced her to lie down on the bed, stabbed her in the back, which ruptured her aorta, which is the big valve in the heart. Right. He then flipped her body over, sliced her abdomen open from her pubic bone to her breastbone. Oh, my God. Y'all. What? That's 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 overkill. Talk about reminiscent of screaming. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That really is. Where he rips open and when you watch, if you scream, the beginning of it, you know, when he catches up to Drew Barrymore's character and Uh then he slices her and then hangs her up and slices her open. Wow. After arriving back at his campsite, he could not find his wallet. He thought he may have lost it at the murder scene, so he went back. Oh, wow. Like some of them do. At which time, and this gets worse, y'all. Trigger warning. He decapitated Hoyt, posed her body in a sitting position at the edge of her bed, placed her head on a shelf facing her own body. Holy shit. Like, I'm just picturing it, and I just, that's a horrific vomit-inducing scene. Wow. As she says that I'm eating. Sorry to anybody eating. I did give a trigger warning at the beginning of this. <laughs> yeah. But damn. Yeah. He he later claimed his intent was to add to the shock of whoever discovered her body. So let me just add more trauma. Not really shock, but just more trauma to the to already the trauma of the murder. Discover her. Yeah. Literally, let's give everybody PTSD on that. Wow. He's sick for sure. Yeah. By this point, the murders had attracted widespread media attention. Hmm. And, of course, this was the 90s, so, you know, we didn't have social media back then to get everything out there. There weren't cell phones, so right. it was just news. It was just on the news. That's all. World away. news or, or... Local news, yeah. world news, you know. Man, imagine in the day and age without technology. Wow. I can just imagine it being something like on Sunday night on 60 Minutes. Yes. Story. You know, that huge. Yeah. Or that breaking news breaking in, especially if it's local. Mm Mm-hmm. So, many students at this time began taking extra precautions. They would change their daily routines. They slept together in groups. That kind of thing. Just, you know. Safety and nerves. Scary Movie 101. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, the spree was happening so early in the fall semester that some students even withdrew their enrollment or transferred wow. to other schools. Wow. 
One such, her name was Tracy Pauls. She was 23, was living with her roommate. And I'm going to botch this name. It's Manny Taboda. That's exactly how I'd say it. Who was also at the time 23. Right. On Monday, August 27th, Rowling broke into their apartment by prying open their sliding glass door with the same tools he had previously used. He found Taboda asleep <sighs> in one of the bedrooms and killed him after a struggle. Of course, you gotta take the dude out first. You gotta take out who's ever bigger. Well, you know what? That's <clears throat> gonna that'd be hard to do when you got somebody on your back scratching your eyeballs out like I would be. Ugh. I could picture that. Oh, you're gonna have your nose and your brain exposed through your nasal cavity because I am tugging and. All right, so hearing the commotion, Pauls went down the hall to his bedroom and saw Rowling in there. She attempted to barricade herself in her bedroom, but Rowling was able to break through the door. Mm. He taped her mouth shut and taped her wrist, cut off all her clothing, and he raped her before turning her over and stabbing her three times in the back. So he's got an MO at this point. He's got a, a definite MO on how he wants to do things. Yeah, he definitely has an MO. Yeah. So he he posed Paul's body, but left Tabota's in the same position in which he had died. So it looks like it's more the women that he's wanting to pose. Mm-hmm. Wonder what his problem is with them at this point, you know? Well, it sounds like he has a type. So with the exception of Tabota. All of the victims were petite, white brunettes with brown eyes, like Rowling's mother. Ding, ding, ding. There you go. He's got a type, just like Ted Bundy did. Ted Bundy went after victims who resembled his mother. Mm-hmm. They always do. So, although law enforcement initially had very few leads... Um, they did identify two suspects. One suspect was named Edward Lewis Humphrey. He was a University of Florida student who had a history of mental illness and bore numerous scars on his face from a car accident. Humphrey was arrested after a physical altercation with his grandmother and held in custody for five months until the grand jury stepped in and said, no, we're not going to indict him on murder. Charges citing insufficient evidence. Uh, Humphrey's photo was shown repeatedly by media outlets at the time, um, and authorities publicly cleared him of all charges after Rowling's arrest. Okay. The other yeah. suspect um, was also later cleared. <clears throat> so, Louisiana police alerted Florida authorities to an unsolved triple murder that happened in Shreveport on November 4th of 1989. Detectives noted that there were similarities between the Gainesville murders and those of 55-year-old Tom Grissom, his 24-year-old daughter Julie, and his 8-year-old grandson Sean. Wow. The family had been attacked in their home as they were preparing dinner. Afterwards, Julie Grissom's body had been mutilated, cleaned, and posed, similar to the other ones. Damn, dude. So he he was definitely into taking the, the bodies and displaying them in a grotesque manner. So 
Yeah, almost like a dissection kind of yeah. thing. So Don Maines, who was an investigator on the case with Florida Department of Law Enforcement, traveled to Shreveport in November of 1990, 1990 because of the similarities between the murders committed in Gainesville and Shreveport. <clears throat> so the similarities, you know, we were just talking, you know, the posing of the victims, um, the tape residue on the bodies, mm. and also vinegar it was used to clean the body. That's a different type of cleaning agent. Yeah. And that would leave a distinct smell. I understand why people use bleach. You get bleach to get everything up. Yeah. But vinegar. What does he know about vinegar and what it does? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yes. So, Maine said they tested the body fluids from the perp in Shreveport and found that this person also had a type B blood. He called the, called the match to the evidence in Gainesville a revelation in the case. Mm. That was huge. That was, yeah. <clears throat> Especially trying to get DNA and everything back then. Because yeah, the it's nothing mm -hmm. like what it is today. Yeah. So after that trip, um, a Shreveport resident, her name was Cindy Jurich, called Crime Stoppers and reported that Danny Rowling was possibly connected to the murders in both cities. Okay. Three months earlier, in August of 1990, Jurek heard a news report about a string of murders as she traveled through the Florida panhandle. And again, I apologize if I'm betraying these names. The report made her think about Rowling, whom she had met at her Louisiana hometown church, and is possible linked to these three other Shreveport murders. Huh. Rowling had said some deeply disturbing things to both her and her then-husband, Stephen Dobbin. She said he'd come over every night for a while, and then one night, Steve came in and he goes, he's got to go, she said. Uh -oh. She also said that Dobbin told her that Rowling had told him he had a problem. I said, what kind of problem? And Jerick said, and then Steve said, well, he likes to stick knives into people. Oh. Big red flag. Hmm. She dismissed those comments when she heard about them because she didn't want to believe that he, that Rowling could be responsible for the murders in Shreveport. But Rowling had also told her, and this I'm going to quote, one day I'm going to leave this town. I'm going to go where the girls are beautiful and I can just lay in the sun and watch beautiful women all day. Well, that'd be Florida. That'd be Florida. <laughs> wow. Wow. So, the news of the Gainesville murders haunted Jurek, so she finally contacted the police in November based on her hunch about Rowling's connection to the murders in both cities. She said, it would not let me rest. One day, I just picked up the phone, I called Crime Stoppers, and I said, I think there's one guy y'all need to investigate, Danny Rowling. Investigators responded to the tip, and they quickly found Rowling, who had been arrested on September 7th of 1990, for an, oh Lord, I don't know how to say this name. Ocala, Florida. Ocala, Florida. Mm -hmm. Supermarket robbery. The robbery had been committed 10 days after the bodies of Paulez and Taboda were found. Yeah. Rowling was being held in the Marion County Jail 40 miles south of Gainesville. Investigators determined that Rowling had type B blood, like the suspect in both the Gainesville and Shreveport murders. There you go. We're on it. 
Um, so now, like, Florida's involved, and, you know, Shreveport, they're kind of teaming up and kind of going, okay, let's put two and two together. Yeah. So, Florida at this time realized that Rowling had multiple convictions for armed robbery, and that he could have also been responsible for the bank robbery that occurred on the day that, that Krista Hoyt's body was found. Okay. They returned to the evidence locker where the gun, screwdriver, bag of money, and cassette player had been stored and listened to the tape. Oh, no. They also found tools matching marks left at the Gainesville murder scenes. The small camp where he'd been living in a wooded area was that was near the apartment complexes frequented by students. They discovered he had audio diaries oh. that he had made alluding to the crimes. Wow. So not only did he brutally murder and suggestively pose, but then he made book on tape. That's horrible. That is horrible. Mm. It was later discovered August 5th of 1990 that Rowling broke into the home of Janet Frankie, Frankie in Sarasota, Florida. He in there. bound and gagged her with duct tape while he sexually assaulted her, but he did not kill her. Well. She's so lucky. Yeah. That's still something brutal to go through. Mm-hmm. So, November of 1991, Rowling is charged with five counts of murder. He was brought to trial nearly four years after the murders. He claimed his motive was to become a superstar. Oh, Lord. Similar to Ted Bundy. So, we get a Bundy copycat on our hands. Oh, copycat. Mm-hmm. In 1994, before his trial could get underway, Rowling unexpectedly pled guilty to all charges. Hmm. State Attorney Rod Smith presented the penalty phase of the prosecution. During his trial, Court TV conducted an interview with Rowling's mother from her home, during which his father could be heard shouting off camera. Mm. Oh my gosh, she stayed with that man. Wow. Wow. April 20th of 1994, Rowling was sentenced to death. He was also diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder, borderline personality disorder, and paraphilia. Paraphilia is the experience of recurring or intense sexual arousal to atypical objects, situations, fantasies, behaviors, or individuals. He's gross. Yeah. That's, that's just wrong. And these kinds, these things, they blow me away. They do. I, you know, to peek inside of a killer's mind just to think and see what their thinking would be. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just, just how they look at the world in general. Yeah. Because you know they don't value life. No, not, not even at all. Their own. Not even their own, much less anyone around them. Although some of them think they're superior beings, so they put themselves way up there. Actually, yeah, that's right. They think they're like a god complex, kind of. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. But, wow. So, shortly before he was executed in Florida for the, the killings, he claimed responsibility for the Shreveport murders, handing his spiritual advisor, Reverend Mike Hudspeth, and Florida police a handwritten confession and apology. His last meal was a lobster tail. So as he was executed, he sang a gospel hymn 
but made no statement immediately before his execution, which was witnessed by many of his victims' relatives. Mm. I'm glad for them. I'm glad people get to watch stuff like this. When you've had something horrendous happen to you or it's like conclu- it's not conclusion, but it is a conclusion. It's a healing. I think it's a healing. You know, yeah. not only if you survive, if you get to watch the person that hurt you die, it helps you heal. You know, that kind of stuff where you know they're never going to get out because they're under the ground and they're not coming to get you. Yeah. If you had the opportunity, would you? Hell yeah. I would too. In a heartbeat. So Rowling was executed by lethal injection at Florida State Prison on October 25th, 2006, after the U.S. Supreme Court rejected a last-ditch appeal. He would be pronounced dead at 6.13 p.m. Yay. All right. So, Rowling, he's been the subject of several written works. What does that mean? So, the biggest example is his crime spree inspired screenwriter Kevin Williamson to pen the script of the 1996 slasher film Scream. Yeah. Which, everybody loves Ghostface. That's probably one of my favorite scary movies. Yeah, you still see them kids wearing it today at Halloween. Oh, yes. (laughs) Of course, you know, it... um, I believe my boys was... One of them was Scream, which was my oldest one. And then my other one was Spider-Man. But when my girls were little, I had to keep them away from the boys because neither one of them liked the Spider-Man or the mask. Aww. So they had to trick or treat like two houses away from each other. I'm like, go, keep going. Don't let them see you. Because <laughs> they would be scared of their brothers. Um, an interesting note, though, is while on death row at Florida State Prison, he wrote songs and poems and drew pictures. His work is what we call murderabilia, which a lot of people collect those and they go in museums. Mm-hmm. I don't know why you want to collect something like that, but that's that's a different one. Yeah, I'm, I'm a hardcore true crime fan, but I'm not that. I don't want your stuff. I don't know. No, there, there's, there's, I'm good. I'm good. There's just energy attached to that, and I don't want yeah, it. Exactly. All right. Everybody, let's take a big deep breath. Out. Let's woosa. Woosa. I want to thank y'all for listening. Join us next week as we bring you a brand new case that is swirling around in our heads. Alright, my crime crazy people, we will be back next week with a brand new episode. To see all of our source material, please consult the show notes. Don't forget to click that subscribe and follow button. Follow us on our social media at Vell of Humanity Podcasts, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. We are also on TikTok. Leave us a comment, leave us a shout out, say hey, give us a case you want to hear, anything like that. We want, we accept it. Hosted by Kimberly Taylor and Melanie Yelvington. Produced, edited, and music by Courtney Santos. A Bronx Bay production. Okay, Bronx, tell them we will see them again next week. Ooh.